This is The Analysis, a weekly examination of the culture in light of truth. I'm Deanna Huff. And I'm Mark DeMoss. Join us as we investigate and analyze the environment of the world where we live. We will be shedding the light of God's Word on the issues. And responding as Christians to influence followers of Jesus Christ to share the gospel with those around them. Recently, Mark, we've been talking about the meta-narrative, and that includes the creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And today is going to bring about our last week as we pull in this idea of restoration. We do have to ask the question, and it's a good question to ask, what does happen in the afterlife, and, and what are the what is the Christian idea and what are the alternatives to the Christian idea? Do they have plausibility, validation, being something that some someone could trust in? What are the objections about that? We're going to talk about some of those things today, and let's just get started. I think three of the big questions that you know cultures ask and and are attempting to answer in putting together their worldview: Where did we come from? Why are we here and what happens after we die? That, that seems to be kind of three pervading questions that you go study a culture and their, their origin stories or their purpose stories will try to answer those three questions usually. And so as Christians, we're leaning into the scriptures. There's our story and, and the Bible does answer all of those questions. And as you pointed out, this larger story, this meta narrative ends in this new creation or restoration of what got ruined. Uh, The challenge that we find in bringing the good news to the culture is heaven maybe isn't a big deal to them. Uh, The desire for heaven, the thinking about heaven, it may not even come across. In many ways, they're not worried about it. Now, a lot of the funerals that I'm a part of, and I've been a part of funerals for very strong believers. I've been parts of funerals for people with family members that had no faith whatsoever. Um, And in almost every funeral, people are saying, well, at least they're in a better place. Yeah. And so part of the general American psyche has tended to be there's some kind of afterlife and it's a good thing. But I think we're seeing that lesson and lesson within our culture as as the world becomes much more secular people are beginning to reject the idea of heaven and creating some objections to now why do you think there's an afterlife and does it even matter is it is it a good thing that there's an afterlife especially if it's a false idea so we see these objections starting to rise i think to that thinking well i think too when you think about the afterlife if you think about it from a perspective of how we live, people are thinking, well, how do I get into the afterlife? Mm-hmm. And so they might even be thinking about, you know, have have I done enough good things? Because a lot of times they weigh whether or not they've been good enough to be able to get into the afterlife. Right. And it's interesting because even the Egyptians did that. You know, they'd cut out their heart and they'd put a feather on one side and the heart on one side. And if they evened out, it showed that their heart had enough good works that they could enter into the afterlife, which was supposed to be filled with all this peace. Wow. So we kind of do these same sort of things. And when we're thinking about the afterlife, then... If we don't believe we have enough good works 
to get into it that may be something that we don't want to think about right yeah yeah um i i don't know who categorized religion into these two things but uh it's been said that there's two categories of religion in the world the religion of do so the religion of works uh, that you're trying to do enough good things so that you get into the heaven or into the afterlife, whatever that religion is forwarding, and the religion of done, and you're relying on what Christ has already completed. Uh, you're not relying on your works. You're relying on his work on your behalf. And Those seem to be the two categories. But yeah, if you're living with a life of, of the religion of do, I've got to do enough good. My scales have to balance out. Um, then you're trapped into this uh, cycle of am I good enough, am I good enough, am I good enough? And eventually you may get to the place that, well, what am I even working toward? Why am I trying to do all these good things? And what really is good? And if right and wrong is is variable to each person, then you think it's good, but I don't think it's good. You know. Yeah. And so what are we really striving for? And what is out there waiting for us? And is it even worth having? If it does exist. Yeah. Some of the alternatives that we think about or that society thinks about in general is this atheistic idea, materialism, that after this life we're going to die and we'll stay dead basically forever and there's no existence of us anymore. And then there's this idea of skepticism. Well, no one can really know and so it really doesn't matter thinking. And then... Of course, you have pantheism, reincarnation, those types of ideas that maybe uh, we're going to come back as an animal or something something else. And you were just mentioning the good works idea. And, and I even think about the religion of Islam, which, you know, they're working, 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 trying mm-hmm. to make their way to heaven. And yeah. that's the idea of the jihadists is supposed to solidify getting into heaven. Yeah. But what does Christianity say? I think as Christians, we, we want to help people think carefully because you're going to run into people that talk about heaven or afterlife and they may mean something completely different. Um, you're, you're talking about kind of Islam's idea. I think about the Mormon idea of heaven. Uh, they've done, the, they, the, the Mormons, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints have worked hard to try to make their religion line up with Christianity really well and and try to become mainstream with Christians in in our culture. Uh, And yet their idea of heaven and the afterlife and how you get there and what it's like is completely drastic from, completely different from uh, the Christian's idea of heaven. So defining heaven, thinking about heaven, I think is important to us. You had pointed out that there's a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that uh, is in verse 9 of chapter 2, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. And, and the concept that, well, maybe heaven is, is uh, really unknowable. We, we can't know a lot about heaven. We can't, we can't define it, define what's there. We can't know. It's beyond our thinking and comprehension. And so long for it, wait for it, but you don't know what's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's enough in Scripture that we can know some things about heaven. And we ought to think clearly about what we know so that we can at least have conversations with people about the afterlife and and realize when their thinking is different than a biblical perspective. 
rather than leaving it into this, I don't know what it's like. I don't know what it's about. I know as a child, I, I thought about heaven by what I saw on TV or cartoon. And <laughs> clouds and floating and harps. And as a child, going to church and hearing preached, believe in Jesus so you can go to heaven, I thought, I don't know that I want to go to heaven. That yeah. doesn't look all that exciting to me. Like, <laughs> what's the big deal? I like I like baseball and snow cones and popcorn and ice cream. And yeah. I'd rather stay here, right? There's good things here. I don't know about that place. So we need to think clearly about what heaven is like. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because when I think about heaven and I think other believers as well, they think about the passage where... Jesus says, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that? I'm going to prepare that place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. So in the text, we know that Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through mm-hmm. me. And this reconciled relationship through Christ after this life yeah. is going to spend, be spent in eternity either with him or apart from him yeah. and we're specifically talking about heaven today so what does that look like i i'm in agreement with you when you say that i think there's enough scripture that speaks to that because even when you turn to just revelation it says uh, revelation 21 it says mm. then i saw a new heaven a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there's no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And it goes into what you're going to see, this tabernacle of God that's going to dwell among people that we're going to dwell with God. And then you start seeing these different identifications like the tree of life. Mm-hmm. or streams of water yeah. or all of a sudden that's making my vision of these clouds and sitting on a you know with a harp and not doing right. anything disintegrate and all these new ideas are coming hey wait yeah. a second there's trees yeah. there's water there's a banquet table there's eating so it looks a lot different now yeah yeah, and, and I think that's something to look for is is the continuity you have between this life and the next life. Like the Scripture is clearly indicating things are going to be different, but it's also indicating there's continuity. Um, and so you go back to the beginning of the meta narrative is creation. And, and before the fall, when creation was perfect, uh, there, was, there was people and there was the presence of God, and they were within this realm of creation. And there were animals and there were plants and we hear the story of creation and it's what we see what we see has been affected by the fall so plants die and decay and humans get sick and die and work is hard and causes labor and sweat and back pains and right all that's broken but the end of the story the restoration seems to me the pictures like you're reading in revelation begin to show me a continuity back to the beginning so I begin, I begin to see, yeah, there, there are trees. Uh, there's the indication of animals. Uh, there's people there. Uh, there are recognizable people that seem to be there. You, you have scripture that 
Even the disciples saw Jesus present in the transfiguration with Moses and Elijah who had been in heaven, and yet they recognized them, and they didn't even know them. They had never yes. seen them, right? There was this kind of special recognition of their presence. So people are there, and people are knowable, and there's plants, and there's animals, and there's water. So there seems to be this continuity. Uh, and as you read in, in John 14, Jesus talking about, in my Father's house are many mansions, um, you begin to realize Jesus views heaven as a place and as a real place, not an idea, not, not kind of a spiritual existence. And that's one of the worldly thinkings about heaven. Well, we're going to die and we'll go into some kind of spiritual state and we'll know we're present and we'll be happy and content. But, but there's, there's no boundaries. Heaven seems to have boundaries. The new heaven and new earth that's described has uh, dimension and things exist and you move about in it and you see things and you hear things and you taste things. Uh, that's a lot of continuity with what's present. Yeah, and it seems like that you have this affection for God that never wanes mm -hmm. because of the perfectness. He wipes away your tears. He, There's this celebration that's going to mm -hmm. take place. And you can almost... You can almost envision this picture of the new heaven and the new earth having purpose, having work, having communication with friends, and at the same time, you're realizing the the beauty of your relationship with God and no more sin. Mm -hmm. I think that's what astounds me about heaven yeah. is... Uh, relationships will exist but without the sin that's between them. Like there'll be purity in every relationship. There'll never be questioned motives. Like there'll never be baggage of one time you wronged me and I'm not sure I can fully trust you. Like I still like you, I want to be around you, but I'm going to keep a distance, right? All of that disappears and that's one of the things that astounds me the most about heaven is all of those kinds of things getting fixed. Yeah, and what in addition to that, it just makes me think of this even more because yesterday you and I both attended a memorial for Mr. Rary, a man of faith, loved the Lord, taught students for years. And one of the things that was repeated in his memorial service, and it, and it really does identify with who he was at the heart, and that is he had this eternal perspective. Mm -hmm. And really when we talk about heaven, it... When I think about heaven, I think, oh my goodness, yes, I want to be present with I want to be present with the Lord. Yeah. I don't want to leave my family behind, but I want to be present with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I start getting excited about this idea that there's no more sin, there's no more suffering, there's no more pain. We have to have that eternal perspective yeah. in this life today to continue to make the impact for Christ because we're thinking eternally going, okay, we have friends and family that are here. My purpose here mm -hmm. is to share the gospel of Christ. And that helps us. And they said this about him yesterday. He had one fit in eternity and one fit here. Yeah. And I thought that that really is a picture of the Christian yeah. and how we should think about heaven is we want to be there and it's going to be there for us. But at the same time, our purpose here is to share the love of Christ so that they too can be there with us. Yeah. 
we, we have a statement that we use, uh, live with the end in mind. And uh, that, that's a reminder to keep that eternal perspective, to be thinking about what will be. Because if you do that, if you think about the future and where things will happen, then it allows you to affect life differently while you're living it in the here and now. Because you have you have a vision of what will be. That, that's helpful if you start, if you start, we were talking about writing and, and being being a writer earlier. You at some point got to get a vision for what that product is going to be, really even before you can begin, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and but once it becomes clear, oh, that's what I'm trying to prove. That's what I'm trying to leave behind. Now the writing actually starts, and so life is that way. Live with the end in mind. Have a foot in the eternal. And it's going to impact the way that you live now. I'm going to be more bold to share. I'm going to be more excited to share. I understand what you're going to experience once you trust Christ in the afterlife. And I want you to have it because I'm excited about it. And so it helps what I'm doing now to keep my perspective there. Yeah. Well, that's a great place to end. And one of the things that I, I'm always reminded by is from the book of First Corinthians. And it says that, you know, when, for now we know in part, mm-hmm. right? For then we will fully know. And yeah. so I'm always thinking one day I will see him face to face. So I want to live with that end in mind, thinking about heaven, thinking about it properly in the text. What does the scripture say about it? And having one fit here to be reminded, hey, this is my purpose, to love God with my whole heart, my whole mind, my whole soul, love my neighbors, myself, and whatever sphere I'm in, sharing the love of Christ in that. That's great. Thanks for conversing about this today.